Welcome to Rams Up, your weekly L.A. Rams podcast, bi-weekly during the season. We are a proud member of the Pigskin Podcast Network. We'll cover other SoCal sports items of interest, but we're mostly about your Los Angeles Rams. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Welcome back, Ram fans. Lots of NFL news this episode, as well as Ram news, and a little bit of SoCal sports news to mix in. And most importantly, we have another Ram superfan with us this episode. Last two weeks, we had Tom Quartz on board, sharing his insight on the Rams and what moves they need to make. This week, it's Paul Walia, our East Coast Rams superfan. He's going to do the same. Lots of good information. Now, I want to make a qualifying statement here. Paul and I got together for a couple of hours Sunday, sharing our thoughts, discussing all things Rams. And hours afterwards, we got the news. Tom Brady is coming back to the Bucks. Who would have thought? Guy just cannot make up his mind. So keep that in mind when you listen to the interview. We make some references to the overall lack of competition in the NFC. I still think that's true, but the Bucks will be a force to contend with once again. Tom Brady and the Bucks, favorites to win the NFC South. I still think they're third or fourth in the pecking order in the conference. And a shout out to that guy that bought the last touchdown pass Tom Brady threw. Half a million dollars. I feel for you. Well, we got to talk about this Russell Wilson trade. A longtime Ram nemesis finally leaving the division. And, you know, Wilson might have been more of a menace to other teams than he was to the Rams. Rams did fairly well against him. Rams did very well against him. The Broncos sent Drew Locke, tight end Noah Fant, defensive end Shelby Harris, two first-round picks and two second-round picks, and a fifth-round pick to Seattle. Denver will get Wilson and a fourth-round pick in return. So this year, Seattle gets the ninth pick and the 40th pick in the draft, meaning they will have back-to-back picks in the second round, the 40th and 41st picks. So right now, the quarterbacks on the Seahawks roster, Drew Locke and Jacob Eason. A lot of talk about what other roster churn will occur with Seattle. Tyler Lockett might win out. DK Metcalf might win out. And Gerald Everett's a free agent. What happens with him? And what's the future for Seattle at that position? Are they going to try to draft Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett? Pete Carroll was photographed with Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral at the scouting combine, along with Lane Kiffin, the Ole Miss coach, and his old partner at USC. So maybe Carroll's leaning towards Corral? as Wilson's replacement? Or were they package picks and go after Deshaun Watson? That was another rumor. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Is Pete Carroll going to be satisfied with rebuilding at 70 years old, or is he going to make a monster move to put Seattle back into the conversation right away? If they don't make a push for relevancy in 2022 and bring in an established quarterback that can help them get there, Maybe they'll just play 2022 out. Not saying they would tank it, but but they would certainly be happy to be well-positioned in the 2023 draft when there's a bunch of young quarterbacks coming out. C.J. Stroud, 
Bryce Young, Spencer Rattler, a couple of other guys that are probably more highly regarded than anyone in the 2022 draft at the quarterback position. Not sure what's going to happen there. We'll have to keep an eye on them. And the Seahawks also released Bobby Wagner. Whenever I hear Bobby Wagner's name, I think back to the 2012 NFL draft. Les Snead was going to draft him. The Seahawks traded up with the Jets to grab him, and Snead was left kicking himself. Two years later, 2014, Rams had another guy they wanted in the second round, and the Rams traded up with the Bills. They didn't want history to repeat itself, and they drafted LaMarcus Joyner. At least that's how I remember it. But would Wagner sign with the Rams? Would the Rams be interested? Probably at the right price. Wagner's an L.A. guy. Would he want to come down south and make a run at another Super Bowl? Or could he possibly sign with the San Francisco 49ers? They already have Fred Warner, though. Don't see a need there. Bobby Wagner next to Ernest Jones. That would be pretty dynamic. Wagner, a true free agent, he can sign with anyone right now. I'm not going to go through all the other NFL moves. That's not what this show is about. I want to mention a few significant ones, though. Aaron Rodgers apparently signing a four-year, $200 million deal, although after it was announced, he was saying, eh, the contract's not quite right. I wonder if he was disappointed that that contract was announced the same day the Russell Wilson trade was announced. Rodgers likes the attention. Maybe he's just saying, hey, stay tuned, big news coming. We'll wait till after this Russell Wilson news settles down. And the LA Chargers making some moves, trading for Khalil Mack at a pretty good price. A second rounder this year and a sixth rounder next year. Brandon Staley trying to bolster that defense. It was not good last year. And Mike Williams signed a three-year deal to remain with them. Three years, $60 million? That sounds like a lot. I like Williams, and the Chargers like him for his clutch production late in games. Chargers got some money to spend, though, so why not? Carson Wentz, back to the NFC East, traded from the Colts to Washington. I'm not sure this is the right move for Washington, but they're running out of options. They were trying to get Russell Wilson, and that didn't work out. Washington's Super Bowl odds before the trade, plus 5,000. After the trade, still plus 5,000. And Calvin Ridley who the Falcons were negotiating to trade to the Eagles. I guess that trade was close to coming down. Get suspended for a year for betting on games. Roger Saffold, the old Ram, released by the Titans in a salary cap move. Amari Cooper traded from the Cowboys to the Browns. That's basically a salary dump as well. Cowboys get a fifth and sixth round pick, but they also sent their own sixth round pick to the Browns. And fallout from that, Jarvis Landry, the Browns wide receiver, has been given permission to look for a trade partner. So he wants out. So the Browns add Cooper, but it looks like they will be losing Jarvis Landry. And still waiting to find out what the deal is with Deshaun Watson. He is not being charged with any crimes. Word on the street is the Texans are looking for a trading partner. Eagles, Panthers, and even the Seahawks have been mentioned in that regard. Salary cap changes forthcoming. Last year, since the salary cap is tied to revenue and COVID had a big impact on revenue, 
It actually dropped 8% to $282 million. And now this year, up 14% as revenue starts to increase again, up to $208 million. And they're expecting some big TV deals in 2023 and an even more significant jump to come. Which is actually good news for the Rams. If your business model is to be tied up against the cap, bringing in star players, the faster that cap grows, the better. Some Rams-specific news. Troy Reader, a restricted free agent, will not be tendered an offer by the Rams, so he will become a free agent. This is a little surprising to me. I know a lot of people banged on Troy Reader, but he was a warrior. I liked the guy. I thought they would keep him around, if nothing else, for depth, but they could still bring him back. We'll have to see what happens. Vaughn Miller expressing interest in the Rams still, also teasing a return to the Broncos. I think he ends up back with the Rams. And Aaron Donald sharing that he was a little upset with Rodney Harrison. He made an offhanded comment to Harrison before the Super Bowl, something like, hey, you never know, this could be my last year. And Rodney Harrison takes that and runs with it that Aaron Donald is considering retirement. So Rodney Harrison, who I think has always been a Ram hater, is not on Aaron Donald's Christmas list at this point. Comp picks should be dropping any day. By the time you hear this, we may have news on that. No word on Andrew Whitworth, whether he's going to retire or not. That may be holding up the contract restructures that the Rams are likely pursuing. UCLA, USC, San Diego State, and Cal State Fullerton all about to kick off their pursuit of the NCAA championship in March Madness. Good luck to all of those teams. Major League Baseball looks like they have solved their problems. The 2022 season will start April 7th with a full 162-game schedule. Clayton Kershaw is returning to the Dodgers, and the Dodgers are rumored to be pursuing Freddie Freeman, one of my favorite players, left-handed first baseman, 271 home runs, 941 RBIs in 12 seasons with the Braves, the 2020 MVP. He is from Orange County, such a likable guy and so productive. It would soothe the pain of losing Corey Seager's bat from the left-handed side. We will be back in a moment with our interview with another Ram superfan, very knowledgeable guy, Paul Walia. Lots of good stuff. Be back in a second. The NFL season is behind us, but time for some college basketball fun. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TPPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 or over, restrictions apply. See our show notes for details. Hey, everybody. As you know, last week we had, actually the last two weeks, we had Tom Quartz, a gentleman that I'm going to call a Ram super fan. He came on the podcast at my invitation. 
and shared with us his thoughts on what needs to happen for the Rams to run it back. What changes do they need to make free agency-wise, salary cap-wise, trades, draft, and so on. Today, we have another Rams superfan, Paul Walia. Uh, he's going to come on and do the same for us. He's going to share his thoughts on what the Rams need to do. And I love having Ram fans on this show uh, as opposed to so-called media experts, NFL experts, because I think Ram fans uh, have a, a special insight into what's going on with the roster. So how you doing, Paul? Uh, how's your morning going so far? Uh, it's going fantastic. I'm out here on Long Island, out here in the East Coast. Um, I'm happy to be the ambassador out here. <laughs> Not too many Ram fans out here, but uh, I am always uh, showing off my Ram horns on my gear, on my car. So um, I'm really excited to be here, and I, I appreciate you giving me the forum. And uh, you and Tom did a that segment was phenomenal. You guys did a great job. Hey, thanks. Uh, why don't you? Now you already shared this with me, but I think it's really interesting how you became a Rams fan because when I first uh, talked to you. Oh, he's from Long Island. He probably came out to California for college, became a Rams fan, or maybe he's a transplanted Californian. Uh, so share with everybody how you became a Rams fan. I think it's kind of interesting. Yeah, so I became a Ram fan way back in 1978. I was eight years old. Uh, I was home, and I saw this uh, NFL film special on the Fearsome Foursome. And I just saw those, uh, those blue and white uniforms and those horns on the helmets. And I thought those were the like the coolest things in the world. And you know, in my opinion, I still think those uniforms are the greatest NFL uniforms of all time. Uh, the San Diego powder blue is a close second. But you know, back then, and as we discussed, if your team wasn't local, you didn't have the luxury of Sunday ticket. I was out here on the East Coast, so I had to like wait till they played the Jets or the Giants, or if they were on Monday night football. Uh when you followed your team back then, it was hard work. I had to wait for the highlights after the games on uh, CBS and NBC, check the paper on Mondays for all the box scores. But most of all, I lived uh, through those awesome magazines like Sports Illustrated, Pro Football Weekly. So it was great. Went to the went to the library, got books on uh, my favorite Ram players. Um, and, you know, for me, it was really, really awesome as a kid because the Ram legacy of players was just incredible. You know, from Deacon Jones, Merlin Olsen, Crazy Legs Hirsch, Jack Youngblood, Norm Van Brocklin, uh, later on Marshall Fall, Jackie Slater, and my personal favorite, Eric Dickerson. So uh, when you look at that list, it's just, you know, you, you're you just, you know, how can you not be a Ram fan? Um and then, if you know, if you really think about it, the Rams have the unofficial single-season leader in sacks, Deacon Jones, before there were official stats on sacks, 26. They have the official single-season rushing yards record holder, Eric Dickerson. They have the official single-season receiving yards holder now with Cooper Cup. And the Rams were the first team to break the color barrier in football, and they had two African-American players on the roster. Kenny Washington was one of them. So... The Rams have a very proud history, and I'm especially proud to be part of the worldwide Ramley. So um, I've always been a Ram fan. Um, I started out in baseball when I was a little kid. I went to Catholic school in Brooklyn, and they introduced me to the Dodgers, and I became a Jackie Robinson fan. So it just coincidental that I also love the Dodgers. And uh, I've taken my kids out to Dodger Stadium many, many times. And when they were in St. Louis, 
I had the luxury of seeing uh, a couple of games out in St. Louis as well. Yeah, that's awesome. And and I think I mentioned to you briefly, I have a Long Island connection. My better half is from Long Island. And uh, when we were first dating, you know, she told me, hey, this is the high school I went to. I can't remember the name of it offhand. And then uh, a few weeks later, uh, somehow it came up. So what was your what was your school's mascot? And it was the Rams. And I said, <laughs> I said, uh, well, you're you're the one for me, obviously. It was uh, destiny. Right, right. What are the odds <laughs> of that? What do you think? Let's let's dive into this Ram stuff, uh, the Rams offseason, basically. What do you think the priorities are for the Rams to get back to the Super Bowl? Uh, and you can start if you want uh, what free agents of their own they need to retain. Now, I should mention um, Tom and I, one guy we talked about was Troy Reader, and we got that wrong. We thought they'd tender him a contract, and they haven't. That doesn't mean he's not going to come back. But so Troy Reader maybe on the outs, but uh, you're, I'm sure you're pretty familiar with who the Rams free agents are. I can pull them up if you want, but how do you feel about it? What are there guys that you think we, we absolutely need to retain or are there guys that you think we're ready to let walk? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting the way uh, they handle free agency. They'd like to let a lot of their, uh, I guess, if you want to say middle of the pack free agents walk so they can get us some of those comp picks. And they do really well with that. That's been less need strategy uh, going back for several years. And it's worked really, really well for them. I think you're right. I think with Reader, um, they're going to let him test the waters, but he'll probably wind up coming back. Uh, he's familiar with the system. Um, he has experience. He plays hard. I know he, he he gets ripped on Twitter all the time. Right. But you know what? You know, it's hard. The, the aspect of continuity sometimes gets overlooked and familiarity, particularly on defense. And I think that's a real advantage for the Rams. Um, but, you know, as a Ram fan, when I, you know, I'm still just glowing about the Super Bowl victory. But when you think about next season, we can be very, very optimistic uh, for several reasons. And then we'll jump to free agency is that I think the Rams faced so many injuries last year, uh, particularly at the offensive skill positions and on defense in the secondary, that this year, hopefully, we'll have much more consistency in terms of roster health. That's going to translate to much improved play. Second, Raheem Morris, that was his first year, right? And the players had to adapt to a new system. And he had to learn his system as well. I mean, in terms of how the players were sort of adapting to it. Um, This year should lead to increased performance. Obviously, uh, efficiency on the defensive side of the ball should be much better. And that's just right straight from familiarity. Same can be said about the offense. Think about this, Stafford. Monster first year, but it was his first year. Yeah, and he, and, after- he, and he struggled a little bit early on. Yeah. And I have to remind myself that is also. This was his first year. What a great job he did yeah. in leading that squad. Um, the Rams didn't have Cam the Ram, right? We didn't have him until the playoffs. What a miraculous comeback and what an incredible player he is. Uh, if we doubted it that before, I mean, there's no argument about that now. Right, when the heartbeat of that Rams offense. Um, one thing I really like is the addition of Liam Cohen to offensive coordinator. He's going to help supercharge Ram era. That's I think, and um, I think McVeigh said that in one of his interviews. They're going to air it out even more this year. Yeah. So for Ram fans who are clamoring like me to run the ball, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to throw it even more this year. So um, I think for this year moving forward. 
And when they look at free agency, when they look at the draft, two things they want to take a look at, particularly in free agency. If they want to repeat, if they want to run it back, they got to bring in quality veterans. And with two major objectives, increase the overall toughness of the team on both sides of the ball. And we'll talk about why that's relevant, particularly when we're looking at who we're going to be facing, right? Who our primary sort of challenges are going to be like the 49ers. We want to improve the overall toughness of the team and we want to raise the overall football IQ of the squad. And that's specific to the Rams roster when we can bring in people like, I'm a big fan of Bobby Wagner and I'll talk about that shortly that I really think they should take a look at uh, bringing on board. But um, so in terms of guaranteed signings, I think Odell and Von Miller really are the priority signings, right? And that's that goes without saying. I think they're both going to wind up re-signing with the Rams. I think they're going to wind up with really uh, team-friendly deals. Uh, they've proven their value, and we know how they just, you know, fit in so nicely in the locker room as well. Real leadership value is uh, from both these players, particularly Von Miller. But I think the Rams have some real tough decisions to make. Uh, the two areas that concern me the most, and I think Ram Nation pretty much across the board is in the same mindset, is the O-line and the Rams secondary particularly online. The rest of the roster, I think, is pretty rock solid. Now, the, in my opinion, the key to the Rams season rests on how they resolve their O-line issue. This is going to be the key to the Rams season, especially left tackle. Right. Next to the quarterback, uh, I'm sure you would agree that's the most important position on the roster, particularly if you're a throwing team like we are. They can't afford to make a mistake in this area. So they can attack the situation in one of three ways. Whitworth can come back. They can ride it out again with Big Wit, holding down the blind side. Or Wit can retire, and they can go out and spend some coin on quality left tackle. My favorite for that, for you know, the second option would be uh, Dwayne Brown from Seattle. I really like Dwayne Brown from Seattle. Yeah, I, know I think Tom called him out as well. Yeah, yeah. I think I think most people do. He he has been very very consistent. You know when, you know we have NFL Sunday tickets, so we get to see all our all our games, right? And we get to see our opponents play as well. When you watch him play, he is just like rock solid every game. You know, and sort of like Whitworth, he reminds me a lot of Whitworth in that facet uh, in terms of consistency, but also in leadership. I like free agents coming from within the division. The priority, you know, there's like sort of like a part one and a part two and a part three to repeating. And part one is you have to be able to sort of win your division. you got to win with your division. So I like free agents that come from within. It's a huge advantage. They know the teams. They know the schemes, but they also know the players. Like, for example, going up against Bosa, right? So that's a huge advantage. Three, he's a leader, like we said. He's a quality locker room presence. It's worth the price of his salary alone. But if you look at a salary, it's comparable to what Witt earned. So you're not really going over the top in terms of bringing on new salary. I take it you're not a fan of keeping Joseph Noteboom and putting him into that role. Too much of an unknown? I, I The third option, right, with Noteboom, it's interesting. All three of these options involve Noteboom. Because if you, whatever decision you make, let's say if you decide to bring Whitworth back or if he decides not to retire and you bring in Brown, you have to have Nopum as your backup. So Nopum's always going to be in the equation, right? He'll be your swing tackle and you can continue to sort of groom him for a future starting role. 
The third option, I actually like Nobu. Um, right, he um, performed when asked. Absolutely. And I think you could probably get him on a really, really team-friendly deal. You know? Right. So um, he's been on the roster for a couple of seasons. He's looked good in short stints. If they go this route, then you know they have to get a quality backup just as an insurance policy. Uh, the thing is, only the Rams, right, and, and their coaching staff know how much confidence they have in right. implement. Yeah, right. right. We, so, we don't know what they think. And, and I think that's surprising, right? We these very little out there uh, articles, anything, information about about Nopum and you know how he's developing. The only thing I found, which I thought was really neat, was uh, Whitworth was working out. He hadn't decided he was going to retire yet. He was working out with Nopal. So I thought that was awesome. Just what a classy uh, yeah. guy. We, we went is. to the uh, the training camp at that they hold in uh, Irvine. This was yeah. in 2017, I think we went. I know it was right before. It was the weekend that they had traded for Sammy Watkins, whatever year that is. And uh, after the practice, Whitworth was out there with the entire offensive line uh, coaching him up, you know, especially Rob Havenstein. Yeah. And, and maybe that's his future. Maybe they're going to retain him as a coach if he does retire, but yeah, you're right. He's, uh, he's got some teaching ability in him for sure. Yeah. And just, that's the type of leadership you're looking for. That's like the type of leadership like a Dwayne Brown would bring in. You know, I would love to have Whitworth back on the coaching staff. What about having Jackie Slater join him, right? right. Have Jackie Slater and uh Witt in the locker room. That would be fantastic. Do you think that uh, it just occurred to me? And now I know Noteboom has played some guard. Uh, would they slide him in into um, uh, right guard, perhaps, and and use him as the backup left tackle as well? Yeah, that, you could you could do a lot with that scenario. Think about this, right? Whitworth, you could definitely remember Jackie Slater when he moved to right tackle. Uh, he played another couple of years. Yeah, right. And Jason Peters also. Think about Jason Peters is forty two, right? He, um, I mean, he's still he's still active. Uh, they're probably going to move him to guard. Um, so yeah, it's a very viable option. But if you use Nopum, the advantage of Nopum is that you save a ton of money. And I think that too, he'll still get a great deal, right? But it's going to be much cheaper than bringing in a high yeah, price. Yeah, and I value. and I wonder, you know, um, I think the expectation was the Rams are in the process of reworking some contracts, but I wonder, and I think that has to be done by the sixteenth. Yeah, and, and I'm wondering if the holdup is Whitworth making a decision because that that has to dictate a little bit what they do as far as contract restructures. Yeah, I think uh, also I think they're trying to see some of the bigger names for them to sort of settle into their contracts. I think that sort of sets the stage for all the sort of like domino effect for everything else right. to sort of fall on. But the Rams, right? Uh, you guys have talked about it at the other, on the other segment, right? There's about six contracts that they're looking at. Leonard Floyd being one of them, Donald being the other. Obviously Stafford, Robert Woods, perhaps. So, and uh, last year I think they already reworked Johnny Hecker's contract to get right. some room. So for this, you know, for this scenario, um, if they went no boom, they would save a little extra money and they could funnel that towards their center or guard scenario uh, and also bring in another free agency. Right. No matter how they slice it, it looks like we're going to have two positions to fill probably via free agency. Yeah. Possibly. And so the other thing you mentioned, uh, you have a concern about the secondary. I assume you're talking about the cornerback spot that may soon be 
vacated by Darius Williams. Yeah, I, I think Darius Williams probably will not be back. He really struggled in this scheme. This is a zone-heavy scheme, right? Um, and he he thrives in sort of man coverage, and you saw that. There were many, many games where he looked absolutely lost. His, you know, He wasn't reacting to the ball. They were catching it in front of him. And I think in one game, I think they uh, threw the ball his way for four consecutive plays. Uh, the other thing, which I was really surprised by, his run support was really lacking, uh, particularly in the playoffs. So I think Darius Williams is just not a good fit for the scheme. He's a great player. There's no question about it. We've seen him play in Staley's scheme. He was a totally different player, right? He was definitely a standout. But I think, you know, uh, this is a very specific scheme. Uh, Raheem Morris plays this cover uh you know, cover two, cover three, you know, shell system. Um, he blitzes a little bit more than a lot of other coaches that run that scheme, but it's still largely zone dependent. And the player I think they should target in the secondary is DJ Reed. I really like DJ Reed. He played for both San Francisco and Seattle. He's familiar with the division, but his value, just like Dwayne Brown, consistency. He grades out very well over the last two seasons. In both zone and man coverage, he can play the slot. He can cover wide. He can. He's played even a little safety. So you have that positional versatility. He's very physical and he tackles really well. Yeah, and even if we have some faith in David Long and Robert Rochelle, and again with Rochelle, we don't know what the how the Rams feel about him if he's ready right. to to take that uh, lead spot at a cornerback position. We're still going to be. We still need another body or two back there, regardless. Absolutely. So I'm thinking, like you could, you could have Reed sort of start out wide, and then on third down he could jump down to the slot, and then Rochelle could take that sort of that nickelback role wide. That's really where he would probably be best. He's a long cornerback. That's why they like him. He's got incredible ball skills. His workout numbers. I think that's one of the reasons they drafted. He came out of Central Arkansas. His workout numbers were incredible. Yeah. Um, so the, and then the Rams can also try to re, re-sign Dante Dion for depth, you know, and you got David Long as well. Right. And then you got a pretty decent setup there, you know, keep Rochelle sort of, you know, help him along, but in a sort of a protected format, playing wide on the nickel. Right. Because you know, playing the playing the slot, that's tough. That's a tough spot for a corner. Not everybody yeah. has the the mental makeup for that. Yeah. Um, so I think that'll be a nice way to attack it. You know, going back to O-line, you know, the one – so tell me your thoughts on this. This is a sort of a, a tough scenario here. you got Allen and Corbin, which I think are really, really interesting. Um, the Allen question, I was actually talking to some Ram fans, and we couldn't figure it out. He, he was graded out so high on PFF. Right, right. It was absolutely incredible. And I, I thought I missed something, so I went back. And I watched some uh, some of the games, and the two games that he stood out were were the Indianapolis game and the Bear game, where he was just crushing people on the in the run game. Hmm. Everything after that, I mean, not that he played bad, he was definitely better in the run game, no question, than he is in the pass game. I think where Allen gets himself into trouble is just because of his stature and his arm length. He has a hard time with stunts. And then the bigger nose tackles bull rush him and literally uh, collapse the pocket in front of him. So that's where his difficulties come into play. Although he, you know, he was our anchor for the Super Bowl run, there's no question. 
The issue is we're, we're a passing team, although, you know, uh, we do run the ball. Um, I don't see him as a good fit for this, uh, you know, offensive scheme. He's uh, in this wide zone scheme. He gets off the ball well. He runs well. Uh, but the pass protection part is just glaring. So I think it's best to let him test the market. I think the Rams should really look at Ben Jones. Ben Jones is a quality veteran, and I always say you build your team from the middle out. All the great coaches say that. But if you watch it on film, that's the first thing they say. You build your team from the middle out. And I think he would be a great anchor in the center. He's a smart veteran. He's super durable. I think he's only missed like one game in like the last five years, which is incredible for a center. Right. Um, and I also think when you have a, a quality center like that, it makes the whole line better. And his contract's pretty reasonable. He was uh, at Tennessee. I think he was at six million. But I just think he'd he's great in uh, run in run blocking. He's great in pass pro. And he'd be great in this uh, wide zone system, so I think he'd be a great fit. Yeah, I like. Robert. I think he he's a I think he's a good guard. He also uh, remember started out as a center, but the fact is in the NFL, young quality guards get paid. It's hard to get. Yeah, you know, especially when they're in their third or fourth year in the league, they get paid. It's hard to find one um, with as many snaps as he's played for anything less than, you know. Yeah, and I wonder if it's going to be a situation where, like, for for example, if they sign Dwayne Brown, and then maybe is Coleman Shelton possibly the answer at center? If, you know, I, I have a sneaky suspicion that they really like Shelton. Yeah. And uh, so, may, you know, maybe he's an answer for one of those spots. But, you know, they I don't think they're going to sign. Do you think they could sign Brown and uh, Jones is what I'm getting at? I think I think they could, I think they could I really do I think the Rams once they settle on their contracts once they make some cap room I think they have I think they have no choice the way this team is built this built is this team is built on Ram Air right yeah. and if you want to get them you know uh, if you want to get that system flying high you have to have an O line that's very very consistent yet and very very reliable. How many times did we see Matt Stafford literally limping off the field? How many times yeah. did you hold your breath and say he's not getting up from that one? Right, that can't happen again. It's because you know eventually you're gonna your luck's gonna run out, and that's the season. So they have to invest whatever space they can create. They have to go out and make this unit the best it could possibly be. I think I think you can. Keep Corbett. You can, you know, use the leverage for a hometown discount. Um, I think he's happy to be here. And listen, he came from Cleveland, so right. he's got to be ecstatic to be here. Uh, so I think they'll get a really reasonable deal. The savings on that deal, and then also the fact that Brown's going to come in cheaper probably than Whitworth. You can then pay Jones, and then you have a really, really good squad. You have Shelton as some depth. He's two. Uh, he's only two ninety, I think. Two ninety. That's yeah, two hundred and ninety pounds. So he's also sort of on the on the small end, like Ryan Allen. But um, he's played well too. Um, so I think I think that's the way they should really, really attack it. Because I think you have to have a really reliable unit. Having seen, I think it's just so underrated as right tackle. He is unbelievably uh, uh, underrated. Hmm. People do not talk about it, but if you watch game after game after game, he shuts down the right side. Nice. 
Okay, let's uh, switch gears here a little bit. Uh, I'm going to follow up on something uh, Tom Quartz proposed, and that's uh, how do you feel about Tyler Higby and his future with the team? Now, he's under contract, and a lot yeah. of people have been, Tom specifically, suggesting he could be a cap casualty. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are talking about that, His, you know, that you could save some cap money here. Here's the thing about Tyler Higby. I I. I like Tyler. Hayden. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think he had a great season and I think a quarterback's best friend is their tight end. Right. Right. What he brings in, um, in that 11 uh, setup is that he's able to block, but he's able to hit those seams. Right. And he made huge strides this year in the passing game. He was that big physical presence that we, you know, we were like, there it is. Finally. And you started to see more of it in the red zone. Mates, his hands were much more reliable. But the physicality um, at that position at tight end is such a weapon. It is really such a weapon, particularly when you start going into things like play action. So I think Higby is definitely worth, although there would definitely be savings, um, there definitely is um, value there in what he brings to the passing game. And the more we can bring to the passing game, the harder it is on defense. Particularly, you have Odell's coming back from a knee injury. Robert Woods is coming back from a knee injury. The last thing I would want to do is take weapons away from the passing game until we get up to full speed again. Yeah. You know, Cam Akers is coming off of the ACL injury. So you have a lot of weapons that are, you know, sort of yeah, right. probably not going to be at full speed until the midway part of the season. And and uh, um, I hate to even mention this, but, uh, you know, Cooper Cup has had a significant knee injury as well. Yeah. And but you know what's exciting? You're going to laugh about this. So Sean McVay's probably banging his head against the wall, right? He loves the 11 setup. Look at our tight end situation. Yeah. It's a glaring area of strength now with Bryson Hopkins, the way he played. Right. Right. You got Tyler Higby, right? Uh, Kendall. And, Kendall. Oh, Lyman. yeah. Yeah. He, he, his blocking was unbelievable. Uh, the stretch that he played, he was, he was caving people in and his hands were much more reliable than I ever, ever expected. So, that's why I think a lot of people are saying you could move on from Higby because you have enough depth there um, to sort of and, you know carry and, carry forward. And Jacob Harris, certainly some potential there coming back. Another guy coming back from an injury. Yeah, so I think that's why a lot of people are saying that. I think it's a little. I think you you let uh, Higby play out his contract and then you hand it over to the combination of the two headed monster uh, with those two with Hopkins and the Bird. Uh, okay, well, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back in a second, and we'll talk about any more items we want to talk about the current roster and a quick look at the draft uh, positions of concern, and we'll also take a quick look at our NFC West rivals. Back with Paul here. Uh, I think we've covered the roster, their free agents. Uh, one, I did have one follow-up question for you on free agency. Um, how do you feel about Sebastian Joseph Day? Do you think he's walking for sure? So, yeah. So he's a interesting one. 
So um, if you look, the Rams roster now is loaded with nose tackles. So we went from not being able to stop the run, not having a true nose tackle for years, and now we have like three on the roster, right? With Joseph Day, with Gaines, and Ashawn is just an absolute, you know, monster, right? right? Stopping the run. So the question becomes twofold. You know, number one, is Joseph Day a different player than Gaines? Right. Is he the same type of player? We also have Bobby Brown, right, waiting in the wings, right. who is just uh, what is he six five three thirty? Another guy we don't really know a lot about yet, though. Yeah, absolutely. They want to give him some reps. I like uh, Sebastian Joseph Day. I think he's much more athletic than people realize. I would love to see him move up and down the line. I think he's got some dynamic pass rush ability. Um, but the question is, can they lowball him and bring him in at a decent number? Yeah. And can he play off the nose? Otherwise, he's no different than Gaines and Bobby yeah, Brown. Yeah, he's got a really big personality. Um, yeah. And and I think uh, I, I suspect a guy like him would just love to stay in L.A. But uh, you're right. Uh, Greg Gaines, he's just become such a great player that the Rams just may not see the need. If they can afford Sebastian Joseph Day and they can make it work, think about that line. That you know, I think Sebastian J- Joseph Day has enough pass rush potential that he could make that work. Um, I think the Rams are going to have enough room. They can make some splash moves, and they definitely should make some splash moves. I think the move is Bobby Wagner. You know, talking about building from the middle and going back to the initial statement, you have to make the team tougher and you have to make the team. Uh, you know, sort of raise the football IQ. That's Bobby Wagner. So uh, I think he. So you, you'd like to see the Rams make a, a move on Bobby Wagner? Oh, absolutely. Play him next to Ernest Jones. Oh, absolutely. I think he'd be a fantastic fit with Miller and Donald. I think this move goes back to you know. I think of it this way: he checks the boxes, and more importantly, this is a San Francisco 49er move, right? This is why you bring him in. You think about the San Francisco running game. You think about all the trouble we had with tackling Debo. Wagner is the one that's going to bring that physicality. He's the answer to that running game scenario. The Rams played really well up front, but it was the linebacker play when Ernest Jones was out that was really poor. That's why we were getting gashed in the running game. So the good thing is Wagner is a Los Angeles native. Right. He's right. a high school out there and obviously and everything. Um he probably would love to chase another ring. Probably the Rams could talk him into, you know, have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey give him go give him a call. Oh, right, right. And tell me <laughs> he would love to stick it to the Seahawks twice a year, right? Right. So I think he and Ernest Jones, but think about the dynamic of this defense. He and Ernest Jones as the inside linebackers, the entire dynamic changes. Right. Rams were at their best, in my opinion, when they had that aggress- that aggressive attacking defense out on the field. The Rams could run many more four linebacker sets. They could blitz, blitz much more. Their three-four base defense. Think about this. Their three-four base defense would be Floyd, Miller, Wagner, Ernest Jones, right, uh, Greg Gaines, Ashawn Robinson, and Aaron Donald. Right. That's their seven. <laughs> right. That's their seven. Right. right? Look at your yeah, I think I, I think I, I think maybe they could sign me to play one of the cornerback spots. Uh, you're right. You and I could probably hold on to the quarterback spot. 
was a, so I think this move to me is a no brainer. I know everybody's in the, I know this morning I saw on ESPN, the Cowboys were all over this uh, Quinn, you know, who knows Wagner really well, used to coach him, was pushing for him to get signed. I, I think you make this move. I think this screams, you know, repeat all over it. Right. This takes the defense. You know, you let him wear the green dot, obviously. He never comes off the field. Right. Yeah. And it makes Jones that much better. Yeah. And the fact that, he, as you pointed out, that he's from L.A., just put yourself in his shoes. You know, I'm going to play for two or three more years. Uh, I want to play for a contender. It'd be nice to get back home. Bingo. Rams. Although uh, I did see someone uh, suggesting he could end up with the uh, Chargers, but that was just a, a media head trying to find a good fit for him. Yeah, the Chargers getting a uh, uh, Mac was just incredible. That was yeah. just an incredible play. Yeah. Well, hopefully that might spur Lesney to do this move, right? Because right. he sees them bringing Khalil back. I mean, if it doesn't, I mean, if it doesn't come to fruition, Jordan Hicks would be another great fit. I think he'd be another dynamic linebacker. Uh, Arizona released him. I think another, you know, uh, player from within the division. And I love the linebacker from Denver, AJ Johnson. I think he would be another great linebacker right next to Ernest Jones. And we have great depth: Collins, Terrell Lewis, Travis Howard. We could bring him back. And you got Chris Garrett. They want to take a look at Chris Garrett. Yeah, so yeah, another guy that I don't know if he played a snap. Uh, he may have, but another guy that we don't really know. What the thing? I th- the Rams must like him though. A seventh round draft pick. They they never exposed him by putting him on the practice squad. So obviously, they have plans for him. Levi Wallace from Buffalo might be a good fit at corner too if they can't get Reed. And you know what? Another good linebacker that got released is uh, Kyle Van Noy. Oh right, he would right. be great next to Ernest Jones. He that's he's perfect for what Raheem Morris runs. Uh, he's a he's great in coverage. He can do it all. He can blitz a little. He can play the run a little. Smart veteran player. He would fit in perfectly next to Ernest Jones. Tim Settle would be a nice DT if Sebastian walks. The kid from Washington. Oh, okay. It's an Ashon type signing if you think about it. He didn't. He wasn't a starter in Washington, but he's got a, a ton of talent. Um, and maybe you know probably sign him cheap and get him some playing time. And, you, you know, he's shown flashes. Michael Pierce from Baltimore, he's another one, a nice veteran you could bring in. Um, I think he would have a nice impact on that D-line as well. Okay, let's talk about the draft. What what positions do you think the Rams will focus on? And I guess a lot of it's going to fall out from free agency, I suppose. But, uh, yeah. you know, they're uh, assuming all these comp picks come in that we're expecting. Um a lot of the way I look at this and the way I think Tom and I kind of agreed on this, it's uh, sometimes it comes down to what positions can you get the greatest value in, in the third, fourth and fifth rounds. And a lot of times that's tight ends, not that we need any inside linebacker safeties, not that we need any safeties, either interior offensive line. What are your thoughts on the draft? And it, it's so hard to predict what less need is going to do. I never get it right. Uh, mock drafts are fun, but kind of pointless. Uh, but so what are your thoughts on the draft with respect to the Rams? So I, I agree with you, right? It's sort of, it's a tough read because the Rams have uh, a third, a fourth, a fifth, three sixes and a two sevens, right? So obviously they're picking late, but they always pick late, right. but they do fairly well. Right, right. Um, 
one thing that I think they need to take a look at is that that fourth wide receiver slot. So we know Odell is coming back. We got Van Jefferson. So there's our four wide receivers, right? But until Odell comes back, how do we fill that four that fourth wide receiver slot? Because when Odell comes back, that player has to understand they become somewhat superfluous, right? That they are not going to get the bulk of playing time. So a great way to do that would go with Sco. You could uh, sp- split the time with him and Bryson Hopkins. I think Bryson Hopkins would be great in a four wide receiver set with that size, something we're bit, we've been lacking. Or you could go with a young wide receiver, right? Young, dynamic wide receiver. So I think the Rams should target O-line, secondary, but really go best player available. Uh, I think I, I noticed you didn't mention Tutu Atwell. Oh, my goodness. I have <laughs> nightmares about that trip. <laughs> I still can't figure it out. I've been honest with my buddies. We've been trying to figure out what they saw and what they were thinking. Um, I'm going to assume that they're going to try to get him on the field this year. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I, he's a, To me, he's really an afterthought at this point. Right. I don't see him doing much. And, uh, but Brandon, was, and Brandon Powell had such a great season, I think, returning oh, punts. Love Brandon Powell. Yeah. Love it. You know, one thing that stood out for me was there was a mic'd up segment and during the Super Bowl, when they were when they were, oh, the wide receivers, they were down to like two wide receivers, and he went up to Matt Stafford. He said, "I'll go out there for you." Right. I said, "There you go." Right. That's exactly the type of player we want on our side. Yeah, and I know uh, my my son and I um, punts scare the heck out of us punt, when our teams feel yeah. that it just scares, especially when you have a dynamic offense. Just you know what? Just get away from the ball <laughs> half the half the time. Let the ball hit the ground. I know that's not a realistic approach, but they just scared the heck out of me. And then they put this Brandon Powell dude out there and we're like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen here? And then after a few games, you kind of like, you just kind of feel like this dude has it. He's fearless. Uh, no, yeah, no concerns about ball security. And, and, and I haven't seen a productive return game like that since the Tavon Austin days, which, you know, of course he got robbed so many times due to holding calls and such, but uh, it was it was nice to see him back there and getting some productivity out of our return game finally. Yeah, and he's a smart returner. If you notice, I think you brought up a really good point. He never compromised field position, right? He played it smart. He knew when he could take his shot and try to try to break one or when he needs to just get the yards and put, you know, put the offense in a better situation, right? right? I think that's something that's the mark of a quality special teams player. I think bringing him back, he's going to be a real weapon and maybe even getting him out there on some jet sweeps on the offense to reward him. I mean, he's going to be uh, another dynamic uh, weapon in the special teams aspect of it. Our third phase played really well last year. Right. But um, one advantage I think we do have with the draft a little bit is that our offensive coordinator comes from the SEC. He was at Kentucky, my favorite conference. You know, I, I love the SEC players, Ernest Jones as, a, as an example. Right. Um, so he comes from Kentucky. He's probably going to provide some key insights about players. So when we go best player available, um, obviously it's sort of tough to project who's going to fall to lower rounds. But some of the Kentucky players, uh, Dari Rosenthal, he's a big mobile left tackle. He actually started out as a D tackle when he was at LSU. I think he'd be great at guard. Remember, we have that, as you know, right? We have that uh, wide zone offense. Uh, so the O linemen, we want those tall, mobile, nimble uh, linemen that are strong. 
So I think he fits that to a T. Josh Pascal, he's a big edge backer. He could back up Floyd. Yeah, I love this kid. Really physical. Really physical. uses his hands well. Not the best pass rusher, but just like Floyd, he can really hold down the edge. Yusuf Corker, he's a big box safety, and they have a, probably like a sixth or seventh rounder, Luke Fortner, a center. So I'm sure Liam's going to be in uh, – I mean, Coach Cohen's going to be in uh, Big Vay's ear and Sneed's ear about those guys. Um, Rashid Walker, there's a tackle out of Penn State. They keep projecting him like third or fourth round. If he falls to the Rams, this kid is just nasty. And he would fit in perfectly in our scheme. Braxton Jones, Southern Utah. He's another one that looks really, really well suited. My personal favorite, I don't know if he's going to be there, is uh, this kid, Jameer Salier from Georgia, the guard. This kid, best interview at the Combine I've ever heard. And just an absolute monster. He's my favorite player in the draft. Uh, His running mate, Justin Schaefer, guard from Georgia. And then Dylan Parham uh, from Memphis, super versatile uh, center guard player. I think he might be there when the Rams pick. Uh, they had a Nebraska center, Cameron Jurgens, but he blew up the combine. He ran like he was a, a running back. It was incredible. Uh, he would have been ideal for the Rams. I don't think he's going to be there. Um, this kid, Luke Gadecki from Central Michigan. Now, Central Michigan has done a great job of churning out quality linemen. I think he'd be great. Uh, going to wide receiver, Alec Pierce, that kid from Cincinnati, had a great combine. I don't think he'll fall to us, but if he does, he would put some sizzle into that wide receiver core. He's like Cooper Cup. That's who he reminds me of, and that's a legit compliment. Um, the kid from Texas Tech, uh, I'm sure you heard him, Eric. I'm gonna, hopefully I don't butcher his name, Azukanam. He would be great at wide receiver, a great red zone target. But the one player that I think we should uh, take a look at, is this kid uh, for our running back situation. Sony Michelle is probably going to walk. Right. I'm sort of astonished how they underutilized him. Uh, such a great power back that we had. Yeah, there was, there was times in the playoffs where I thought he should have been getting the ball. In yeah, the absolutely. Yeah. And one thing that stood out in the playoffs, right, and so were the latter end of the season, was our difficulty with short yardage. Our short yardage scenarios were terrible, right? So there's a kid from uh, Michigan. His name is Hassan Haskins. He's a physical runner, downhill runner. I think he would be perfect to complement Cam. Yeah, we need we need uh, we need another Malcolm Brown. Is what we need. Yeah, this kid ha- is just like that. Very physical. He's got a little bit more wiggle, but he is a power back. Damian Pierce from Florida also fills that mode uh, for the secondary. There are a lot of really good zone-type cornerbacks that fall in the middle rounds. And um, they were talking about it on um, on, the NF- on the NFL uh, channel about how this draft doesn't have a lot of these Superman cover corners, but they have a lot of zone cover corners. So uh, Josh Job from Alabama, I think he'd fit well. Um, Alante Taylor from Tennessee, he's one of my favorites. I think he would be great on the Rams. Uh, Isaac Taylor Stewart from USC, Demarion Williams from Houston, Damari Mathis from Pitt, all lower round guys that I think could contribute. So I think there's a lot out there. Safety, you got Nick Cross from Maryland, Marquis Bell. I love this kid, Marquis Bell from Florida A&M. So I think there's some value out there. Um, I think the Rams are really good at finding value. Uh, Cam Thomas, 
He's like a situational pass rusher. He's a smaller defensive tackle, super quick, like Aaron Donald, right? right. A little, you know, 6'2", 275. And there's this monster in Arkansas, 6'5", 320, John Ridgeway. This guy can bull rush. So there's really some really, really uh, good lower round talent that the Rams can use in fills and build some quality depth and get guys into the rotation. Yeah, I haven't started – well, I really just started my draft research, which can be a bit overwhelming. Uh, but a lot of times with the Rams, you, if you want a clue as to where they may be going, you got to look at the senior bowl, right? That's where they, they love senior bowl players. Right? Yep. And they, they don't really care too much about the combine. They can, they can watch that on TV just like we can, I suppose. But uh, the senior ball is where it's at for them. I'm going to throw one name at you at a guy that really jumped off the screen at me. And it's not necessarily a position of need, but you're probably much better versed in the draft prospects than me. So I'll throw one name at you, a guy that I thought was really interesting, Jelani Woods, the yeah. giant wow. tight end ex-quarterback. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't Again, a tight end isn't a position of need, but man, you talk about a, a big target in the red zone, especially, do you think the Rams would have any interest in a guy like that? I mean, you know, you know, when you go best player available, I was saying to my buddy, this is an Ozzie Newsom draft, right? Remember Ozzie Newsom was like, Oh, he was the best GM. And when it came to the draft, when he was with the Ravens, he would find guys in the seventh round, right? And they would wind up being all pros. This is like an Ozzie Newsom draft, right? Where you find the best player available with regard, like you said, regardless of round. And, and with that kid that you mentioned, he, he'd be a great project. Give him like two, right. you know, two or three seasons to really develop. And that, you know, there's, there's no defense for size. Right. Right. Especially that length. And he's fast speed. too. Yeah. He might've yeah, been he the fastest. Really he might've been the fastest tight end at the combine. One of the, fastest. I think the Rams are so high on Bryson Hopkins. Yeah. Because number one, the way he played in that pressure situation and and how smooth he looked. Right. And how dynamic he looked. Yeah. I think the Rams are going to give that kid every chance to light it up this season, and rightfully so. I think he's going to do well. I think he's going to bring a new layer to that Ram offense, along with our buddy Higby. Um, I think McVay's going to have no ch- no choice but to get him on the field somehow. Yeah, and he can block as well, Hopkins. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's I don't know if you were listening to this podcast, uh, you know, 10 months ago, but I had a kind of a running joke. I tried to be respectful about it. It was like, you know, where is Bryson Hopkins? What happened to this guy? Where is he? I never heard a squeak about him out of the so-called Rams beat reporters. Uh, Preseason, very little action. Jacob Harris was getting a lot of balls thrown to him. And what does it mean? Did they was this a blown pick? Uh, are they developing him? And and then all that went down uh, late in the year. And then all of a sudden, Bryson Hopkins is out there. And I'm like, oh, we might be in trouble here. And what does he do? He he performs at a very high level and uh, ended up being a key player. I think it goes back to your senior bowl comment. I think one of the reasons Les Snead likes the senior bowl players in McVeigh is that these are the guys that you could plug and play. Yeah. Right. If you ever need to. Right. Because they're coming. They have that extra year of eligibility. You know, you can see them out there. You can see how well versed they are in terms of the fundamentals. So, you know, that's the philosophy. Tape doesn't lie. Yeah. And then there's also the other thing that Sneed. I don't know if this is by design, but 
guys that come from football families, Van Jefferson, yep. right? <laughs> Absolutely, Hopkins, I agree. Cooper Cup, you know, um, there's something to be said for that. Oh, it's, it's actually, here's a little trivia. That, that running back from Iowa State, uh, what's his name? Uh, I think it's Bryce Hall, one of the top uh, three prospects. His uh, cousin is Roger Craig. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so you're right. Football families make, make a difference. Yeah. Okay, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back in a second, and we'll talk about our NFC West rivals. back with Paul Walia talking about the Rams and what needs to happen for them to get back to the Super Bowl. I think we've covered that pretty good, Paul. Let's talk about our NFC West rivals and the state that they are in real quickly. I know you're a Ram fan first, but I'm sure you have some insights on. Let's start with the Arizona Cardinals. The two things that come up that jump out at me about the Cardinals is a little bit of drama at the quarterback position and Cliff Kingsbury, a very good coach, but things seem to fall apart on them in the second half of the season. That's got to resonate through the locker room. Uh, you know, you have to think maybe the players start to lose a little confidence in him. They brought, they were kind of all in, just like the Rams last year. They brought in some veterans, J.J. Watt and Zach Ertz. Uh, how do you feel about the Cardinals and what threat they pose to the Rams moving forward? So I think, you know, the good thing is the NFC West is there for the taking, right? If you take a look at all three teams, they definitely are in a state of flux. So the Rams really have to sort of get into that carpe diem mode, right? This is definitely our division to sort of take. So the one thing I would say about Arizona is that we've seen it before. Quarterback issues are the kiss of death for a football team, right? When there's this type of sort of angst between, or I don't know if it's legitimate or if it's media buildup, there just seems to be a lot of animosity developing and the way things are being handled, right? Everything is out in the open. So that doesn't bode well for Arizona going into the season. So they definitely have a roster that's in flux. I think they they had some great signings. I thought the James Conner signing was a great one. Um, I thought the J.J. Watt signing was a great one. I was hoping that he would come to the Rams and play opposite Aaron Donald because that would have been unbelievable. Um, so I think those signings are pretty good. But if you look at it now, if they're free agents, they're, they've already released Jordan Hicks. Uh, Chandler Jones is on his way out. They gave a ton of money to Zach Ertz, um, and they found out what Philadelphia already knew about Zach Ertz, right? So – I think when you look at their roster, uh, oh, they also lost Christian Kirk, right? I think Christian Kirk moved on as well. So and a- AJ Green is at the tail end of his career. We have he's to at the think. tail end of his career, right? And you know, Hopkins, one of my favorite players. I'm hoping that he comes back healthy, but he's had some health issues. So um, I definitely think that's a team in flux. I definitely think the Rams are well constructed to handle them uh, moving forward. This division can't, you know, they have to look at it. Can we beat every team in this division uh, twice a year? That's the way they really have to look at it. Right. I think Arizona, um, definitely a talented team to me when I look at their roster. But I, when I look at their roster in terms of 
Who are their elite players? Who's going to step forward and be the difference maker? I don't see it. Apart yeah. from J.J. Watt, I don't really see it. But my concern about Kyler Murray was echoed by Ray Lewis, and he made an offhand comment when he was talking about the playoffs, and he said, I don't know who he was talking about, but he said, a court, if you're a quarterback in the NFL, you have to win from the pocket. You have to be able to win from the pocket. And and that's been my concern about Kyler Murray all along. Uh, can he win from the pocket? And I don't think he's really demonstrated that he can. No, I think that's that's true for a, a lot of quarterbacks that are these mobile quarterbacks. I mean, I think mobile quarterbacks are, are just unbelievable. Like, you know, Lamar Jackson, Lightning Lamar. I mean, he's incredible. Um, but, you know, I think – they don't. They shouldn't stop running. What the issue is, they have to learn to temper it. Sometimes that's all, because it's a it's an unstoppable weapon if done right. A running quarterback. Look, look when Steve Young was at San Francisco, right? Right. It's just an unstoppable weapon. So um, I think you know. I think that's something Kyler Murray. He's used to when he was in college. He could just outrun everybody. That's not going to happen in the NFL. Right. And, and you're gonna, and you're gonna, and you know you tweak your ankle, and next thing you know you're a pocket quarterback. Okay, let's jump to the Seattle Seahawks. I'll say the I'll say the Niners for last. Uh, I, I see them as our most serious threat, obviously. So the question with Seattle is: Pete Carroll, seventy years old, is he really going into rebuild mode? Which I think he has to, unless he's going to take all those picks and package them and and bring in a quarterback. But what's left out there? Jimmy G. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Deshaun Watson. Or do they just, uh, you know, try to pick a quarterback in this year's draft and get it turned around as quickly as possible? Well, I think the fire sale has started, right? We've seen yeah. it already, right? So, yeah, I think you, you bring up a good point. They can go in a multitude of directions. I think people are counting out Pete Carroll way too quickly. Yeah, He's definitely up there in years. There's no question about it. Um, I'm not a big Pete Carroll fan, although I love USC. But um, I think he does a really nice job. I think they are going. I think they're going to go all in for Deshaun Watson. I think that's what they're going to do. I think that's why they're clearing out all this cap space. I think that's why they're just you know amassing all these picks. You know, this is a copycat league. Even though I don't think it's an accurate narrative, you know, in the mind of everybody that's not a Ram fan, they they keep saying, oh, you know. They bought they bought their championship. They bought their championship. Sixty two percent of the roster was drafted. You know, the Rams roster, sixty two percent of it was drafted. Yeah, Not that's just team. that's just a, a lazy narrative when, when people start yeah. throwing that out there. They don't they don't understand. So we've seen the freewheeling starting that this is a copycat league. Now everybody thinks they're gonna pull these trades off, and they're gonna still get the same results. The bottom line is you have to have a roster that is pretty well stockpiled with talent and pretty much, you know, if you're not great in area, every area, you have to be rock solid in every area. And I think that's what the Rams roster really was. And to the credit of the front office uh, and the leadership, that's really what their uh, goal was. No glaring holes. But when you look right. at Seattle, glaring holes, their defense. Wow. That was a bad defense last year. Yeah, right. It's it's been a bad defense for it's been a bad defense for two years, I think now. 
Right, which is surprising, right? Because yeah. that used to be the hallmark of their team. Right, was their, uh, was their defense. So I don't think um, they're going to be a contender. Obviously, this year, uh, my condolences to the Seattle Seahawks fans. Um, I know they're a proud organization and a proud franchise, but there's a lot of rebuilding that has to be done. But I think they're going to make a, a big move, and I think now with everything sort of becoming a little bit clearer with the Deshaun Watson situation, I think uh, they might pull the trigger on that one. Deshaun Watson is a dynamic player, extremely talented. So with and with uh, those receivers, I think they still have a, a decent set of receivers there. Uh, that would be a little scary, but let's hope it doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, and now on to the 49ers. And with the Niners, uh, I mean, their roster is one of the best in the league, in my opinion. Uh, it just comes down to the quarterback and Trey Lance. And, and who knows, you know, I guess we're all going to find out pretty soon. Unless, uh, do you give any credence to this Tom Brady to the Niners stuff? No, I, I think they're going to go with Trey Lance. I really do. I, I mean, you never know. Anything can happen in the NFL. You know, we saw that with Tampa Bay. Um, I think they're going to go with Trey Lance. I think Trey Lance is a dynamic player. I think that would be the right move for them. Um, I know there's a big debate whether he's ready or not. You know, I always say, how do you know a player is ready unless you play them? <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? Let them play Madden and then let you know when they're ready? You know, they have to play to get ready. So I think Trey Lance is a dynamic player. I mean, they they traded up to get him. I think they should play him. Uh, I think he fits perfectly with their philosophy in terms of what they want to do. They're a, you know, they're a run first team. They're a physical team. Um, and I think he gives them you know, a nice, you know, a nice dimension that complements that uh, running between the tackle style. Um, and, you know, now with Debo emerging as that, you know, running back slash wide receiver threat, I think their offense is, will, will, their offense will be something to uh, be reckoned with. I think they're going to score a lot of points. Yeah. And their defense is always good. Yeah. They also have some free agent, uh, yeah, free a lot. questions. Yeah, a lot I, I was not aware. Um, I just looked it up the uh, a couple of days ago. Their cap situation. Yeah, I wasn't even aware of that. Yeah. So uh, when I looked it up, um, uh, Lake and Tomlinson is coming up. DJ Jones, really good D tackle, young D tackle. Raheem Mostert, he's coming up. Kawan Williams, uh, Tart, the safety, he's coming up. Arden Key's coming up. So it's interesting. Yeah, they have some issues as well. Again, we don't know exactly how things are going to play out with these free agent quarterbacks and, and free agency in general and the draft. Uh, who, who do you think? In my mind, the Rams right now should be the favorite to win the NFC. Uh, I, I think I have a couple teams in mind that I think we're, we'll definitely see in the playoffs. How, how do you see the NFC stacking up right now as we speak today? Yeah, I think the I think the Rams would definitely be uh, the top of the rock. Um, I think the main contenders would be San Francisco and Green Bay. I think as long as Green Bay has their offense intact, um, I think they'll be a contender. San Francisco is a good, very good, balanced team. Um, you know, Lynch is going to get that roster sc- uh, squared away. You know, we know they're going to pay Debo, right? So. Uh, we know Shannon's going to get uh, Trey Lance ready. So I think they're going to have a run. I think they're going to be competitive. They're going to be right there with us. Um, 
And the Rams have to be, you know, they have to be aggressive in free agency. They have to be, they have to have that mentality that they're going to have to pull away. They can't just try and coast. That once they get ahead, right. they have to pull away, pedal to the metal. Uh, yeah, the interesting thing about the NFC is, you know, the uh, the South is in disarray. Yeah. Uh, the NFC East, you know, I think the Cowboys are a playoff team, obviously, because the division is weak, and, and maybe the Eagles will show us something. But none of the, no no team from that division, either of those divisions, really scare me. And other than the Packers. And I don't know, maybe maybe the Vikings will get it together with the new coach. But right. it's pretty pretty thin on competition in the NFC right now. Right. So there goes exactly right. And that's the thing that you know puts a smile on the face of every Ram fan. It's there. Right. It's there for the taking. And listen, Super Bowl in Arizona once again. You know, it's right down the road. Um, the other thing is look at the two competitors, right? The Niners and the Packers. I know everybody talks about the passing game, but look at the running game that the Packers put together last year, right? Yeah. That was an incredible two-headed monster that they had running. So I think, you know, the Rams, going back to the, you know, when we were talking about personnel, they have to understand that they have to build that roster to be tougher on the O-line and the D-line because these are going to be two teams that are going to be physical. These are going to be physical games. Everybody watches the tape. Everybody knows they've had a whole season to scout the Rams. They've seen the playoff. They're going to do what everybody else has done. They are going to come at the, come at the, you know, go after Stafford. They're going to run the ball at the defense. They're going to bring that right. physical element, and they are going to see if the Rams are going to play for sixty minutes. And that's going to be the script that teams are going to use when they attack the Rams. Yeah, and, and the one thing uh, working against the Rams and every other team in the NFC except Green Bay, and, and I talked about this on a podcast, it's very difficult with Green Bay playing in that division. It's very difficult to get a home field advantage in the playoffs with respect to the Packers. Yeah, uh, The Packers, I'm not going to say they're guaranteed uh, having the best record in the NFC, but... <laughs> You know, when you're playing the Niners yeah. and the Seahawks and the Cardinals twice a year, uh, and the Rams have a tough schedule this year, it's it's a it's almost a long shot for them to have a better record than the Packers uh, at this point. I mean, anything can happen, but that's that's the dilemma. Now, I do feel better about going to Lambeau with Matthew Stafford than I did with Jared Goff. So there's that as well. Oh, it's night and day. Yeah, <laughs> it's night and day. Yeah. Yeah, but that's a good point. You're, you bring up a really good point, right? Getting the number one seed is definitely, you know, the odds are definitely in Green Bay's favor, right, when it comes to that. Well, unless, like, the Rams, you know, the Rams play consistently all season. We know that. if they, They're capable of doing that. If they do that, you know, it's a different right. story, but yeah. it's a big if. Yeah. Hey, thanks a lot, Paul. This has been great. It's a great follow-up to the discussion we had with Tom. Uh, I wanted to share with everybody, if you want to follow – Paul on Twitter. It's pwalia10969. I encourage you to follow him. He's got a lot of good stuff on the Rams. And hey, thanks a lot, Paul. This has been great. And we're going to probably have you back uh, when we do our pre-draft segment with a couple other people. I think it'll be a great opportunity to discuss further what the Rams are going to do in the draft, maybe identify some players uh, that the Rams should be drafting. Well, that sounds fantastic. I look forward to that. 
you, you do a great job. And uh, I got to tell you, all all your podcasts, I'm like riveted from beginning oh, to end. It's a, it's a, a chock full of information. It's re- really engaging. Well done. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I think it's great to, to spice it up with some other voices because uh, I think you and Tom both actually have greater insight in a, lo- in a lot of ways into the Rams roster and, and uh, who fits and who doesn't and all that good stuff. So thanks a lot and uh, thank you for your time and we'll do it again soon. Thank you. And go Rams. All right. We'll see ya. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach out to us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website at laramsup.com. And please don't forget to subscribe and give us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. And don't forget, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Music courtesy of bensound.com and the YouTube royalty-free music audio library, Crimson Fly by Hama Hama.